Hey everyone, super excited to bring you this first ever episode of the Backdrop Podcast, a show focused on helping builders push out the edges of what is possible in frontier technology. This conversation was recorded as part of 100 Builders, a four-week program we just launched to support people building open tech in crypto and AI. And in the conversation, I sat down with Jesse Pollack, the creator of Base, Coinbase's recently launched L2, and Connor Rule, a senior engineer at Stability AI, company best known for stable diffusion, but really pioneering all sorts of open source AI models. And we talked about why open tech matters in these frontier areas, something that both Coinbase and Stability are really leading the way on. And what I took away from the conversation was just how deep the parallels go between frontier tech and different areas. There were a few moments in the conversation, like when talking about why size matters in open tech, where I think you'll notice we all had a pretty clear aha moment. I wrote down that and a few other takeaways in a short post as well, which we'll link in the show notes, but let's get to it. Hope you enjoy this conversation between two amazing builders. We are here as part of 100 Builders. Um, we're re- recording with, with Jesse Pollack and Connor Rule. And, and yeah, we are going to be talking today about the importance of building you know, open tech in AI and crypto. I think something you know, that these two have a lot to say about. Um, and and yeah, just as a as a reminder, like we we have you know builders spread out all over the world. So we have people you know in this program that are definitely going to be watching uh, you know on their own time, and people that are here going to be asking questions. So we're just going to have a casual builder chat today and 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 let it roll. So I guess with with no further ado, I let's let's introduce yeah these two. I think for anyone who doesn't know, so maybe uh, we'll start with you, Connor. Maybe just give a a quick you know hello. Um, what what you do at Stability. And, and and I guess I'll also ask you like yeah what what kind of makes you personally passionate about this stuff about building open tech? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Connor. I work um, as an engineer at Stability, and I'm kind of in the side of the company that um, you know there's a whole organization that basically compresses the world into a big set of weights, a model, and then uh, the stuff I do is really taking the model and pushing it out and distributing it. So that's uh, like APIs, SDKs developer documentation, sandboxes, and some user interface stuff. Um, so kind of where the model actually gets applied in, uh, in, in products and apps. So, and yeah, um, I'm, I'm really passionate about open source AI. I'm uh, before this last year trying to do anything meaningful in AI just felt a lot harder. Uh, so it's just been wild seeing, you know, yesterday was one year anniversary of stable diffusion and, uh, it has just been an incredible year of watching uh, just thousands and thousands and thousands of projects take off uh, that wouldn't have otherwise. And so, yeah, that that explosion is what really excites me. Um, nice. And you, see you have a dog that just joined us for the chat. So that's how we, you know, we know we are starting to create some builder energy already. Um, sweet. But Jesse, yeah, what's up? I'm Jesse. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm the creator of Base, which is the open uh, source Ethereum layer two built and incubated by Coinbase. Uh, we've been working for the last couple of years on it, and we just opened up Mainnet about three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Um, good morning, everyone. GM, GM, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think our, our general perspective is that the future of the internet is going to be built on chain. It's going to be open source. Uh, it's going to be available to everyone everywhere in the world. Uh, and we're excited to support the next generation of builders who are making that happen. So grateful to be here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what, one question I wanted to lead off with, because 
you know, obviously a lot of the people that we are working with are, are builders, I think oftentimes really early stage, creating something open source, going zero to one. And a lot of it is about, yeah, we, we talk a lot about builder energy. So how do you create something that, you know, attracts other builders to it and gets them excited? And I know that the both of you are kind of on the cutting edge. I think Jesse, you know, the goal of base is to bring a million developers, you know, on chain. And, and Connor, as you said, you're you're right at the interface between kind of all these new models and developers. So I'd love to just ask you, like, yeah, how do you think about, you know, attracting builder energy to what you're doing? Like, what, what, you know, what have you seen work? How would you, uh, you know, advise anyone who is kind of doing that, especially at the early stages? Maybe Connor, I'll kick it to you first. Yeah, if you're just getting started, I don't think there's ever been a time like this in AI where it's been so approachable just for the average developer. I feel like a couple of years ago, using anything AI in your projects would have been its own research task. You know, just the interfaces you'd have to deal with, the knowledge you'd have to have to get anything set up was was pretty immense. And nowadays, you know, um, you can pull off any number of libraries and just start hacking away at stuff. Uh, a lot of this incredible capability like you think about some of these models and they represent like huge amounts of money, time, compute, energy, uh, data collection, all gets packed into this one, you know, artifact that you can just bring into your project basically. And not only bring into your project, but there's libraries around it that are nicely typed. So creating a button that generates an image is just super easy. So it, there's really never been a better time to just play around with this stuff. And, you know, when I think about builder energy, what that means to me, it's like, how, what's the distance between thinking, oh, this would be cool, and then the cool thing exists, and every day it feels like that's shrinking further, um, you know, at least in AI land. So, um, yeah, just just try stuff. It, it really is right there for you to you know integrate with. Yeah, yeah totally. That's, that's, I love that description of that being. It's almost like the catalyst for builder energy is like the delta between idea and reality being really really small. Um, and it's funny that you describe AI in that way, because in a lot of ways I see um, crypto, like it feels like we're in a similar trajectory with crypto, where for a long time it's been like pretty hard to build things and uh, like a little inaccessible and products that you could build were, build were only accessible to a small percentage of the world. And then just in the last like six to 12 months with low cost layer twos, with a bunch of the kind of infrastructure around wallets and MVC wallets that are kind of pulled behind um, easy authentication methods, um, all maturing. It's like now if you're like a one person team or a two person team, you can build things in crypto and they just work. And they can work for the whole world's population. They can leverage this incredible platform and you can do it in like weeks or days. Um, and I think that that, it, like it's it's definitely closed the delta to the point where I feel like we're seeing more and more and more builder energy uh, in crypto and more and more builders. Uh, it's like unlike anything I've ever experienced before. It feels like right now, even as the prices of crypto are a little bit down from their all, their all time highs, the energy from builders and the level of innovation that's happening feels like it's actually at an all time high. Um, and like folks are really leaning in. Uh, in terms was, of what, um... yeah, go for it. Oh, sorry. I was going to say there's a great quote um, I saw on Twitter the other day that if you're an ideas guy, um, it's just never been better. Like you can just, <laughs> as you said, go zero to one on anything just so much quicker. It's so true. And so much like, uh, like oftentimes you don't even need to be an engineer, right? Like with crypto, like you can do so much. I mean, and with AI, with both of these things, it's like you can combine crypto and AI. Uh, you can get so far um, uh down this path of like 
shipping something even before you write a line of code. Uh, and you can accept payments, you can interact with people's identity. Like there's literally whole worlds you can build um, without ever writing code. I think that that is this like crazy unlock for ideas guys but and girls and people um, uh, all over the world to actually like get building. Uh, we actually just did a hackathon uh, at uh, Coinbase, the on-chain summer hackathon. It was like, let's capture this energy, get people to build on-chain. And one of the, the things I loved most was there was a big chunk of our like business, or not big chunk, there was a team of people on the business development team. And they, using AI plus just like out-of-the-box AIs, they built a whole uh, out-of-the-box APIs, they built a whole product on base. It's like a three-person, like they'd never written a line of code before. And in two days, they build a whole product. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> you did what? You, this is freaking awesome. Um, and I think we're going to see more and more and more of that. It's really it's really epic. I feel so lucky yeah. that we all get to be here at this moment. It's like experiencing what feels like a massive revolution in the way everything works. Totally. I mean, I... I... I think there's some super interesting kind of parallels and it does feel like, I mean, I, I had this experience like reviewing all of these applications, this program, like the kinds of things that people are doing with tiny teams now is, is insane. I mean, like full end to end products, like one or two person team. And, and so I'm curious, like, because you guys are, you know, kind of, you know, designing a lot of the the technology that people are building on top of. So like you said, that the limiting reagent is is the ideas in a way. Like if you have a really solid idea and you know at least some kind of amount of technical like you know capability, like you can really bring amazing things to life now. So how do you? I know that both of you know you, you've got done some work to kind of nudge people towards ideas that you think are interesting. I'm curious, like what is what has it been like so far? Has it had a lot of the ideas that that kind of get built? To like oh yeah, we had an idea around that. I'm so I'm that's so great to see or like, oh, we had no idea this was even possible. Like, we were not even thinking about this in direction. Like, what have you seen so far? And, and also, how do you think about that going forward? Do you think it's a lot of work that you'll have to do to kind of show people what's possible? Or is it really just get people the tech and, and kind of, you know, see, see what mm -hmm. they can dream up? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting because and I, I assume a lot of people in this room have seen it, but we, we just launched base mainnet. We, we've been kind of like uh, pushing this movement on chain summer. Uh, and we internally built a whole product experience around it. Like you can go to onchainsummer.xyz and every day there's like one cool thing to do on chain. We worked with a bunch of people that kind of curate those things. Um, and we've seen a ton of really good um, kind of like activity and people getting excited about that. But then alongside that, there's been a bunch of things that like we did not plan, right? Like we didn't plan like base paint to be like this like really incredible viral experience that people are contributing to. We didn't plan friend tech to be like, you know, taking over the internet by storm. Um, and I think it's been like refreshing and, and inspiring to be, to feel that way of like, oh, like we planned a bunch of stuff, but in many ways, the stuff that we didn't plan is the stuff that's actually like captured more of the attention and captured more of the activity and captured more of the um, kind of energy in the community. I think one thing that we, I do feel some, like I get like to take a little bit of credit for is our intent was to make fun on chain happen. Like that, when we started thinking about this concept of on chain summer, I was like, the technology is ready and it's summer. Like, let's like show a bunch of fun and like show people that this isn't just the scary technology. It's not just this financial thing. It's like real, it's useful, it's cool. It's a thing that like everyday people can engage with. And I think a lot of that intent 
is showing up in what people build. And so I, I would say I, I feel like very little confidence that I can predict what like the exact thing that people should build is or be like, here's this idea, you should go build that. Like I, no, no shot. But in terms of like the themes, I feel like injecting this like ethos of like, we want to be building fun on chain. We want to be building consumer products on chain. We want to be building things that like everyday people think are just freaking cool. And that that brings them into this new platform and gets to experience it for the first time. Like that, I feel like is an intent that we're really like pushing. And I think it's having a positive impact. And I'm, I'm optimistic that a lot of people are, you know, obviously we're going to continue building the financial stuff. We're going to continue building like the other hard tech stuff. But I think that shift of like, oh no, now we can, do fun stuff too. We can do consumer stuff too. I think it's really important. Yeah. And definitely in AI, the exact same thing is true where like we were just overwhelmed by the amount of stuff people are doing on a day-to-day basis on both the output side, people using the stuff to do creative things. It's like every day it's like, that's, that's something that's cool that didn't exist. I mean, I, I see so many examples of people doing like these, these one-off art projects that are just impossible to imagine doing um, like sort of in a pre AI enabled world. But also on the tech side, as a company, we often get blindsided by these amazing advances that happen just out in the community. It's like, wow, this model being out in the open exposes us to just huge upside in good ideas. You know, people people you have no idea exist will come out of nowhere and just have a great idea that just changes the game. I mean, uh, you know, whether it was in the beginning, you think you might have to face fine tuning um, like to get really good results out of the model and somebody comes out with dream booth or control net. Like there's, there's these technologies that seem to just like emerge out of the community that just absolutely would not happen if it wasn't something that people could tinker with. So uh, an abundance of yet yeah, playing around. Uh, so not, I'm not worried about there uh, being a lack of ideas and people messing around with things. Yeah, totally. I mean, maybe we can even ask like the flip side question because from a, you know, on the other side of the coin as a builder, if you are, let's say you're building by yourself or maybe with a small team, like there's so much, there's such an explosion of people building around these areas that I think what what we hear oftentimes is like people feel a little bit lost, maybe like, you know, not sure how to kind of find their footing because they're one of, you know, tons of people that are, I I don't know, maybe you're creating like an AI note-taking tool or something or like, and, and genuinely innovative, interesting stuff. But these spaces for builders at really early stages are, are, are crowded in a great way, in a way that I think creates a lot of energy, but but that also I think tends to like, you know, so people kind of feel lost. So because both of you work with, I, I know that you put a ton of time into working with teams um, that, that are kind of like building on, on what you're doing. So I guess, how would you think about that? Have you seen, you know, ways that, that teams are, are kind of navigating that maze or any recommendations you have to people that are, are kind of just looking to, yeah, find, find traction, like, you know, move, move forward? Yeah, I think um, I think the base reality hasn't changed too much, even though the technology is changing very fast. Like ultimately, if you're trying to work on a project, it's it's got to be aimed at some like real world problems somebody has, or um, just making them happier or entertain. Like those base level primitives just are still there. Um, it's it's like you still have to be very good about sniffing out like. I see people having this pain and need to make them a tool that helps with it, but I'm going to apply these technologies, which are brand new, that fundamental loop of like observing the world, predicting a way you can make it better, running the test is still there, just highly accelerated. Um, How to deal with the amount of stuff coming out day by day is still a mystery to me. I would love an answer for that, but um, don't, don't think those core skills though are, are, you know, wasted. Like you really still, 
it, it's just being in tune with the people you're trying to like either entertain, make happy or solve problems for. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think anything's fundamentally changed about the ability to like find and the need to find product market fit, which is like a hard grueling process. Um, I think that like the advice that I have is because of the way these tools have compressed um, uh, like how long it takes to build things and how, how much like leverage you can get from building things. I think that there uh, is like almost maybe even more of an emphasis on that ability to find like a real product and build a real product that people have or that people want. And I think the like feedback that I have is like, don't be afraid to ship things. Just like ship, ship faster than you are comfortable. Um, and in, you know, maybe products that aren't perfect, uh, and just get them in the hands of everyday people. Um, I think friend tech is like a great example of this. Uh, it's like you open up the friend tech app and you're like, this is crazy that people are using this. Like you know, there's parts of it where it's just like, it's, it's slow at times, you know, it, like it, it has issues. Um, the UI isn't perfect, but I think the thing that I've seen that team do is they just ship, they like put it out there. They have like good viral loops and then they keep making it better and just keep iterating on it kind of like right before our eyes. And I love that energy. Um, I think that that's really important energy for any builder. It's like ship the thing that's a little uncomfortable and then iterate on it. Um, yeah. I mean, even at Coinbase, that's the energy we've been trying to bring this summer. Like we, you know, we did a bunch of work to try and make on-chain summer.xyz really smooth and try and make it really smooth in our consumer products like Coinbase and Coinbase wallet. So you could actually go through the whole flow and, you know, we prepped a lot, but then we also ran into a bunch of issues when we started actually having everyday people run through this whole experience. And so what we've been doing every day is like we do a retro every day. And it's like, what did we learn today? Um, what about the experience worked? What didn't work? Um, how do we make sure that uh, we can fix it tomorrow? How do we make like incremental improvements day over day, week over week? Uh, and I think that that's been a really like positive cultural uh, kind of energy injection where it's like, oh, we don't need to wait weeks or months or years to change these things. It's like we can learn every day and we can figure out like how do we make this stuff actually work better for everyday people. Yeah, And then one more piece of advice I'd give is um, there's an internal loop that you have that kind of mirrors this external loop when you're trying to build a product. Like you are kind of always going to be your most important customer. And if you are struggling to figure out exactly like what to do or how to stay up to date, um, spend some time just like upgrading your productivity stack. Like, sit down and think like what things do you actually hate doing in the day or do you do a lot of that you could find tooling around you that just makes better uh, the whole experience uh, you know like I, I recently switched to cursor which is like a vs code fork that has just a lot more ai enabled features um and prior to that i was just using like chat gpt plus vs code and copilot like just that tiny little you know i took about 15 minutes to kind of look around and see okay like are there any tools i could be using right now that make just my day-to-day -day better um, don't be afraid to make those upgrades and treat yourself as like the number one customer. So um, it's worth it. Like those pay real I, dividends. I got to learn more about Cursor. Does it work well? Do, yeah, I've it, been, um, I feel like more and more of my life is being spent like uh, just commanding machines to do thing with, uh, to do stuff in English. And <laughs> that has just really escalated the trend, like highlighting a segment of code and being like, okay, just make this suck less or like, I mean, literally my instructions will be that bad and simple. It'll be like, okay, um, this button looks terrible. I want it to do this and then it does it, you know? So and it's really like an open source fork of, of VS code. Uh, it is a fork of, 
uh, VS Code. I'm actually not sure if it's open source or not, but um, I'm at least playing around with it. It's uh, it's what I'm using for my non-work projects at the moment. Yeah, I'm gonna tell tell my my teams to check it out. Um, that sounds awesome. We we've been yeah, making I mean, a big push right now uh, on using AI tools at Coinbase, uh, particularly for engineers. Actually, <laughs> Brian, our CEO, just sent a message. Um, I think like three days ago, he was like, uh, "What was it? Uh, like everyone needs to get onboarded to um, uh, what's it called?" Uh, Chat GPT for Copilot, Copilot for uh, writing code because we now have it all like set up internally to be whatever private set up. And he's like, 100% of engineers need to be onboarded by the end of the week. Otherwise, I'm going to start pe- messaging people. Like, okay. <laughs> all right. I actually think it's the right intuition. <laughs> like, from me talking to engineers totally. on my team, it's like, you know, there's a little resistance always, but people are like, this has totally changed my productivity. It's like I'm twice as productive. Um, so I like that yeah. top-down mandate. Totally. I mean, it feels like there's a, a meta point here, which is obviously like so much of the inspiration for, for us building this program, which is just like, as if you can write, if you can like run really tight iteration loops, whether you're a big company like Coinbase or whether you're, you know, a two-person team building something new, like the capabilities for you improve everything, you know, including how you build, but also what you build. There's just so much out there. There's so many, you know, integrating something AI into your product or, you know, into your workflow or whatever, building on a different, you know, like part of the crypto infrastructure. Like there's, there is just so much that you can do to move forward, to make progress. And so in some ways it's just kind of the basics, like the basic mechanic of like how fast can you ship and iterate and learn from, from people and just make it better. And, you know, I guess that's at this oldest time, but it's, it seems like, you know, true now more than ever. Um, and I guess maybe that's like a, so that, that's for us, that's why we are so big on just building in the open. Cause I think there are these amazing benefits that you get from, from running that kind of like iteration loop, in a in a public way, or in, like you said, as, you know, ship as, as uncomfortable as you can be with, you know, being early. And also as I think as uncomfortable as you can be with, with being public about what you're doing, cause there are all this serendipity that comes from that. And so I'm curious yeah, to maybe ask you some questions about open tech in general, because obviously that's part of why we're here today is, is to talk about why, you know, open tech matters. And yeah, I, I kind of curious, one of the questions that I have is for, for both of you. Um, I, I think what we, you know, stability is kind of leading the way with open source AI, right? So, and I think that's going to be super important, especially as you know, maybe right now developers are getting onboarded to using AI code, but at some point governments are going to get onboarded to, you know, le- leveraging AI models to do stuff, right? And that's going to be massive and they're, and they're going to want, you know, to be able to go out and, and test that code and make sure they can really trust it. And so open source is, is huge for, for that. And, and, you know, Jesse, I think Bayes is doing a, a huge amount of work to continue to kind of propagate this Ethereum ecosystem and, and to bring more scalability to that via layer twos and, thing, and things like that. And, and one of the kind of, I think, ramifications of that is that these ecosystems that are built, that are open, they, they tend to become, or they can become really massive. And so the people that are, you know, responsible for shaping them, you know, then you play like a huge role in, in kind of shaping that ecosystem. So in some ways they are decentralizing because they are, you know, you can do so much with them, but in, in some ways they, they are themselves as an ecosystem sort of, they, they take over a lot of stuff. So, because your both your kind of organizations are, are really close to that topic. So yeah, I'm just curious kind of how you both think about that as, as you build. 
Yeah, sure. Um, the concept of the community kind of taking over is something like, at least in the stable diffusion world, has, has been true from day one. Like, the second a model goes out, the weights just exist in the world. What what happens from that point forward is 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 really unpredictable. Like, so that's why there's just a ton of effort that goes into making sure a lot of these releases are the best we can make them because we know that the second the community has, uh, you know, the ability to mess around with it, it kind of sets that foundation for uh, a lot of like fine tuning efforts and, and derivative technology. Basically, the um, the applied team at Stability, which is led by Joe Pena, like they really poured their heart and soul into this SDXL release recently. And uh, I think, you know, that effort is going to manifest as like, did the model do well enough that it starts to become a new community standard and is the base for a lot of further fine tuning? We really don't know if that's going to be the case ahead of time. It's just, was it good enough? I think it w was and is becoming that base, but like, that's something we have to think about quite often is like when you produce these things that just go out into the world and you kind of do give them to the community to run with, um, you, you kind of have to encode your values and your, your goals into that release because you, you, you kind of lose the ability to actively manage it once it's, uh, once it's out there, which I think is a great thing in general. The fact that we cannot take that back from people, uh, I think is actually really liberating, but it, I mean, it really does impact how you think about these releases. So. It's so funny. There's so much commonality between the AI and blockchain on chain because the same thing with crypto. I mean, we don't have quite the same. I mean, we kind of do like, right, like every release or every upgrade of a, a chain, you add new features and you never you can never take those back. Like, Because once it's out in the world, like every it's out there and it's out there forever. Like base is an open permissionless network. And if you put something on base, it will be there forever. And uh, any feature that we add will be there forever because it has to support everything kind of in perpetuity. And so I think it's a similar, it's a similar thing where, you know, we like, I mean, it's not, it's almost not like a culture that we want to set where it's like, Oh, we believe that the culture should be open. It's like, no, like that is set on us. <laughs> the technology is fundamentally open. Um, it is like as open as it can be. Like every line of code that is written and deployed to base is public record and open source uh, and you know not all actually open source in terms of like being MIT licensed or freely available like you can license things as you want but it's visible um, and I think I was talking to an engineer about this the other day who's working on base I feel like it's like that nature of on-chain engineering where everything is open is is like a totally new paradigm right we've operated for the last many decades where it's like everything's closed Right, like you don't know Google's systems, like you know, unless you work there, like, and they write papers about them, and people write technical blog posts, but like, the the default is closed, and now on chain, the default is, I mean, everything is must be open, and so that means that like you can write one piece of code that you put on chain, and then everyone in the world sees it, and it can change everyone's worldview, or change everyone's way they work, or change uh, everyone's way they write their own code, and I think that is like. Yeah, it's bigger than just a culture we're trying to set. It's just a fundamental nature of this platform. And it's a thing that we necessarily need to embrace. 
And so on the base side, like we're doing a bunch of things to base it. Like everything, pretty much everything we're doing is open source. Um, like on-chain summer.xyz, we open source that. All of our smart contracts are open source. We're, we're working right now to open source base.org and the bridge interface. Um, and we want to lean into this kind of ethos of open source where it's like, if all the chain's going to be open source and that's where most of the stuff's going to live, like everything kind of downstream or upstream of that should also be open source. And I think um, it's leading to a lot of cool stuff that we, you know, can't always anticipate. Um, but when you put things out in the open, people people come. It creates that builder energy. It gets people excited. So we're, we're, ex we're excited. We're excited for this next generation of the internet that is fundamentally more open. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I question, I'm not even sure we have time to get into, but I was thinking about in prep for this call is that I think it feels like even the landscape of what open source means is is evolving. Like if you take AI as an example, like there's, you know, the, the models themselves are open source and the weights and there's all these different, like you could almost, it's a more of a gradient, it's a spectrum. And I think it's, the, you know, the same in crypto. It's like, you know, a lot of people that, you know, even apply to a hundred builders, it's like, well, you know, we are deploying some smart contract, you know, and, and we have a bunch of media that is kind of open. It's like open data, but maybe there's a, there's a product that's like leveraging that data that's, that's itself, you know, not open source. And so it's like, there's, there's so many different flavors of what open, you can almost get lost in that, but it does feel like if you just zoom out, it's like the, the whole arc of, of everything just feels like it's moving towards openness. And I yeah. think, you know, riding that wave. So it's, it's a simpler, I, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on that, but. No, I think that that's right. And I, I think like there's a, um, because the underlying platform is open, it kind of bleeds up into everything else. Like you can only build such like, there's only so much closeness you can have on apps built of, on top of on-chain products or smart contracts because the core logic is all open. And so I think that that is like, if, if you think about the past world, I feel like there were a lot of forces that like naturally drew us towards centralization and naturally drew us towards closeness. Like that was where the inertia was. And that was because we were building on top of centralized platforms that were fundamentally closed. Um, and now with you know, open blockchains, um, we're building on top of open platforms that are fundamentally public. And I think that that means that the inertia is actually the exact opposite, where even if things start closed, they'll open over time because their core logic and like the heart of them is open. Um, and that, that there's, yeah, it's a paradigm shift. Um, and I think it means that a lot of the like past expectations, mental models, like ways of working uh, are not going to match they're not going to map and we're going to start seeing new things emerge, new trends. In AI, it's, it's tricky. I, this spectrum of open source is something I, I feel like um, every time there's a model release we do, there is like at least some group of people who wishes one aspect of it was more open. Um, there's groups like inside the company who have, you know, their own uh, desires. Like if you're a researcher who's trying to iterate, you don't want maybe everything you're doing to be public because you're learning or making mistakes. You know, it's like, what is that balance? I mean, the way I think about it is once these weights exist in the world, it, it really does represent like just a raw capability. Like if you have the GPU, you are granted this capability. And I think, I think open source um, is like the thing that we will always strive towards, at least at stability. It's like, that's the end goal. Um, there's there's parts of that stack that could or could not be open but like as long as the model you get is something that you can have you can run it's it's on your hardware uh that we can't take that back like that's what i feel really good about personally it's uh 
you think about some of the, a lot of the AI systems that are out there today, at any moment you could be you know restricted from Midjourney or ChatGPT or your access to this power can be taken. Um, to me, the moment where we put weights into the world really is like the, the crucial moment. Like that's the moment I think people should really pay attention to because once they're out there, um, it's something we can't untake. You know, it's like it's like Prometheus uh, stealing fire, right? Like you can't you can't take it back. And I, I do think there's a worrying trend right now in just the larger compute ecosystem where um, it's getting harder to get chips. Models are basically being created and designed to run on bigger and bigger GPUs, which are harder and harder for consumers to run. You know, so I'm, I'm a little worried about the trend we're seeing where like the state of the art is moving into more specialized hardware and chips that are not really accessible to, to normal people. Um, so, you know, as long as I really think you need somebody like stability was really focused with SDXL on making sure that that model fits on a consumer grade hardware so that individual people could be the users of that thing. Um, so I think what's the point of a big open source model if nobody can run it unless you have gigantic, you know, data centers, like that's just not the world we want to live in. So like striking that balance is going to be very tricky as time goes on. But I mean, yeah, I think it's kind of on us, not just the company, but the whole community to, to keep the state of the art in a way that we can run it locally, like that's not a guaranteed outcome. It, it, it's going to take a lot of effort to do that. It's so funny that that, or not funny, but it's just so interesting to see the parallels between that and crypto, right? Like you, you could swap pretty much everything that you're saying for people talking about Ethereum and the importance of being able to run an Ethereum node on your local computer. Like that is the whole, like that's like the core tenant basically of Ethereum is that like we have to keep the resource requirements uh, and the the decentralization and openness of the software such that anyone can run a node. And that's really different. That's different than other chains, right? Like if you look at other chains, a lot of them have optimized for like much higher hardware requirements, which make it inaccessible for most people to run nodes because they're like, oh, this isn't as important. Um, but it's interesting to see how you have that same parallel across both crypto and AI. Yeah, it's like uh, same thing with Ethereum where if, it, if, if that gets out of whack, then suddenly all the nodes are in Amazon because that's where the hardware people can use is. And then yeah, right. it doesn't look very centralized. Uh, you know, the same thing is true with uh, AI chips right now. Like, um, I, I don't know how we're going to figure that out as like as a global community, but I do think we need to be thinking about ways to like use compute in a distributed way that uh, that basically gives people the same power that you might have as a like a, a large data center. So something I'm pretty interested in, don't have a good answer to. Well, I, I feel better already, you know, knowing that you guys are thinking about it. It's, um, but I, I want to make sure we, you know, as we kind of wind towards the end here, um, I think, you know, if people in, who are checking out live have any questions, drop them into the chat so that we can get to them. But I, I wanted to ask you some, yeah, a bit more of like a, of some fun questions. So we're, you know, we're talking to, there's a couple hundred builders, you know, in this program, there's probably many more out there, hopefully that we can, you know, reach. And, and so I'm just curious, you know, what are you excited to see people build? What have you seen people build recently that has gotten you really fired up? Um, you know, anything that, that we can give people just a taste of some energy of, of what you're kind of seeing at the, at the cutting edge um, as, as people are thinking about, yeah, what, what they're building. Yeah, and um, in the open source side of things, or at least in AI, there's I'll answer in two categories. There's there's sort of like community tooling um, that enables a bunch of stuff to be created. Uh, most recent example of that is the Comfy UI, 
project. Um, the creator of Comfy UI actually now works with Stability, so I'm a little bit biased in this, but it's it's very cool. It's like a node-based editor for inference that allows you to sort of mix and match workflows and how models are actually running in a way that just allows you to like really customize how this stuff is actually operating on your own machine. The existence of tools like that can enable like entirely new workflows, entirely new, you know, modes of inference we just couldn't have imagined. So like that's a great example of a project that like basically was one person's brainchild and is now enabling a huge amount of iteration and and just growth in ideas in that space. So, you know, in terms of like the open source tools that enable like cool futures, that kind of stuff, you really can build um, and contribute to the larger community. And just in general, like a more general answer to the second part is people using the stuff to create like artistic outputs and like just actual experiences like that. That's been another thing I just love watching, like the, some of the first videos that are being stitched together with text, uh, text to image to video and uh, text to audio now. Like it, it's totally cool to just be producing art in this era too, like that, that um, anything you can do to contribute sort of to that body of work as well is, I, I think, inherently, you know, worth it. So, so much exciting stuff there. It's hard to pick one particular thing. Yeah, on the on-chain side, um, I mean, I, I think a lot of what I'm excited about, like and I mentioned earlier, is people building consumer products. So games, uh, social products, uh, media products, uh, things like base paint, uh, things like friend tech. Uh, that really feel like they're they're fun, engaging. They're things that people want to come on chain to do. Like everyday people want to come on chain to do. And so um, I think like leaning into that, uh, leaning in to figure out like how do you build uh, something that like your friend or your sibling or your um, coworker, family member wants to use. Uh, that's probably where I'd, I'd start. Um, and I think a, a lot of this is just possible because of layer twos and because of how cheap they are. Um, you know, you can really do things in a way that, uh, like, it wasn't possible even just a year ago. And so, this this possibility space is basically endless. Um, and I think there's a lot of infrastructure out there that can make it so you can get started really quickly. Um, and so, it's just mostly up to people getting started building. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts. We've we've saw a bunch of applications. Actually, there's a bunch of people in the program that are that are doing both. Like we're talking, you know, a lot about on-chain stuff, AI stuff. I think it's clear from this conversation that both of those are becoming real, like consumer-grade tech. You know, much easier to use. And I think the you know the explosion of things at the intersection is. I, there's some cool games in the program that are you know doing something with with AI and and, and you know leveraging blockchains in, in some aspect as well. So. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I'm I'm super pumped up to see like yeah. the, that intersection. I think there's a ton of st cool stuff at the intersection. There's this there's a, a company that's building on base called Parallel, which um, has created a, like a trading card game, an on-chain trading card game, um, like TCG, uh, and that's that's like there it's in private beta right now. It's growing really quickly and you know people love it but they, they also have built this whole like they have a whole universe that the trading card game is in and they're right now building another game called colony which is um uses ai and it basically like every the whole every character in the game is uh agent 
And every character in the game is also an ERC six five 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 one or six five five one NFT that can kind of like gain different skills and gain different assets, and it's basically just a whole world building game. That's like an MMORPG, but everything's AI. And uh, I've been watching them kind of like iterate on it, and it's really like insane. Uh, I, I look at it as like this is like this is, was impossible to build even just like a year ago, and now it's very very possible. Um, and they're actually building it as an L3 on top of base. I see someone asked, "Does base have plans to build an L3 app chain ecosystem on top of their L2?" The answer is yes. Um, we're helping people do that, particularly games, um, and uh, this is one of the examples of that. Um, and there's gonna be a lot more. So yeah, absolutely, come build with us. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know if this is alpha, but I was, you know, talking with Connor before we, we started the chat and Connor was showing me some of the things you can do from taking like sort of, you know, pixelated images or whatever and turning them into these, you know, interactive worlds basically. And it was, I don't know, it just seems like there's so much that you can do there. There's so much interesting, you know, on-chain art that's being created and and taking that and like building worlds and stories and narratives with that, with AI seems, I mean, super powerful. So yeah, um, I was just yeah. talking to another, comp- uh, talking with another organization that is building a whole product. That's just that. It's like you can take existing on-chain assets and then you can use AI to remix them. And then all of the kind of like proceeds are can be like attributed to where the original assets came from and who created them. And you can do kind of splits based on that. And so, I yeah, I think we're like literally on the verge of the most incredible creative res- revolution ever powered by AI and crypto. Yeah, and what's nice about AI and crypto is that it's like an inherently small format. Uh, when you think about a prompt, you know, uh, a single sentence can be expanded into like a beautiful image, right? And that just innately gives you this ability to encode that kind of like complexity, but in just, you know, sentence form on something on a like platform where memory really does matter, right? Um, and they're both general purpose technologies, right? So AI, crypto, like they both they're both going to be in all sorts of places in little ways, I think like, but they do share a lot of commonality. Like how do you give people uh, royalties, right? For let's say running a model that's using their data. That's a pretty hard question to answer. And I think one that's going to become more and more important over time, there's intersections there. Like how, how can we allow um, like private models to be run in a way that's like not exposing those weights. Like if you have, if you're an artist who wants to like basically enable people to create stuff, particularly in your style, like how, how can you do that in such a way that like you can directly benefit economically? That's, that's a problem. Like we're going to solve at some point. Uh, and I think the world's going to be a lot better for that. So like, let's get on it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get building. Let's get building. I mean, that was one thought I had over the last few days watching this kind of friend tech. I mean, for anyone who hasn't been aware, there's yeah one of these kind of apps that got built on on base after after launch is this you know product friend tech where you can essentially kind of like buy shares in your friends and you get access to this um, private chat. And I mean, the app itself was I think incredible for the reason that you mentioned, Jesse, was just like how fast it can you know go from zero to one and iterate and whatever. But it was also for me a moment where like so much of the ecosystem around it was built so fast like all yeah. in days like there's all these different ways that you can you know you can create a fraction version of your shares someone like sent me like a, a you know shares that vest over time like it's a company and it, so it was just that that moment where you realize like wow th- this is like financial infrastructure all the bits and pieces of it now that developers can take and just map to whatever they want in in literally hours and it's 
So kind of like that that entire financial stack, you know, and, and then you take like AI, you have like the entire, I mean, you know, someone in the program was showing me like taking a, a book, shrinking it down to like the, you know, a, a small chunk and then creating it into a, a, you know, a podcast to listen to you're in your car. And so it's like, you know, for, for information, you know, using and moving it around and editing it. And so I just, it's like these fully, you know, composable stacks that, that we're getting now. And I, I think it's going to be insane. I mean, I'm not sure how you guys are going to sleep over the next, you know, months and years, but it's, it's going to be a wild ride for sure. Yeah. Not very much is the answer. <laughs> um, well, well, cool. I think I want to make sure we get you guys out on, on time and everything. I, I don't know if there's any other, um, you know, questions in the chat that we missed, you know, Rafa's hanging up behind, behind the scenes here, making sure we're not missing anything. Um, so if there's any other questions, Rafa, let us know that we should be covering. We have one. Oh, cool. You want to throw it up on the on the screen, maybe? Yeah. This one's for you, Jesse. Yeah. What are you hoping to see soon in the development of blockchain? That is impossible right now, but will be in the future of the Optimism Superchain stack. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think that the, so just for folks who maybe don't know, um, the super chain is this concept basically that we're going to have a bunch of layer twos like base and OP mainnet and Zora network that over time kind of integrate and become one holistic chain that have kind of seamless interoperability between them. Uh, and so I think it, that's probably less, uh, like the thing I'm most excited about is people starting to build experiences for users that kind of leverage that integration so that users aren't actually feeling like, oh man, I have to like balance being on X chain or Y chain and figuring out how to get funds across X chain or Y chain. But instead they just do the things that they want to do and everything just works out of the box. And so I think the, the best um, kind of like things that folks can focus on now is building just those experiences that you want people to use. Uh, and then if you're building a wallet or you're building um, something kind of higher up the user experience stack, figuring out how do you start to pull the, the chain behind the scenes um, and make it so users are just getting access to the experience that they care about. Um, and that's what we're focusing on a lot with base. It's like, how do we make base disappear uh, and make the apps and experiences like really come front and center. Uh, and if you want to be building on base, um, we'd love to support you in doing that. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm around. We, we have our team that's jumping in the Discord to support. Um, so excited about all the folks who already are building on base um, and excited to keep building with you all in the months and years ahead. For sure. Thanks, Jesse. Um, Connor, any, any last thoughts before we, we close out here? Yeah, uh, definitely treat um, just AI capability in general as like a skill that's really not that hard to develop and get started with. Uh, you know, all the models that we produce are, are locally available, but you can still just run them via API to get started. Uh, so we've got a website, platform.stability.ai, and there's sandboxes there. So like really quickly, you can just jump in and start generating images or trying in painting. Um, so, so really don't be afraid to approach the whole, um, the whole field. Like you, you can within like a matter of 10 minutes or so get some of these like incredibly powerful models just running in your project. So, um, APIs are a good place to start for that if you're like getting your feet wet and if you need more and more complicated stuff, you can move local over time. But yeah, just really, I'd, if you haven't tried it yet, uh, generate your first image um, using a stable diffusion yeah. prompt. It's pretty addicting. Generate your first image, mint it as an NFT on base. Boom. Yeah, just you're on it, chain. You're, oh, you're with AI. Um, get out there. Get building. 100%. All right. I think that's a great way to end. Um, thank, thank you both so much for the time. Super appreciate it. Really exciting to hear about all that you have going on. And, and yeah, we'll see you around for more Builder Energy.
Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Keep building. All right.